As the demand for telemedicine grows, so does the need for connectivity. 5G meets that need. Qualcomm remains focused on giving doctors and patients superior, security-rich 5G connectivity. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash inventionage. Yes! Welcome to No Filter. I'm your host, Anna Kasperi, and I'm super excited. I'm super pumped. I was just listening to ACDC. TNT, I think that's the name of the song, but I am Dynamite, and so are you for watching this show. We have a great program ahead for you. As you all know, we don't necessarily cover the breaking news stories of the day, but we do uh, provide a deep dive into issues that we really do care about, and uh, we feel that the mainstream media doesn't do enough justice to. So with that said, today's program will focus primarily on police reform and police brutality here in the United States. We're gonna do a little bit of a comparison against uh, the Obama administration and uh, the Trump administration. As you can imagine, there are quite a few differences. But first, we're gonna start off the show by discussing the Department of Justice under the Obama administration and what it found in its investigations into police departments throughout the country. When the issue of police misconduct enters the public's consciousness, it's usually due to a viral video featuring an act of violence or excessive force. The inevitable national debate regarding whether these stories are indicative of a larger trend ensues. Well, I'm sure the debate will still rage on, but there are ways to look at the bigger picture through past investigations and data. We're going to do a deep dive and explore three cities across the United States, Baltimore, Louisiana, and Chicago, to better understand the tumultuous relationship between cops and the communities they're meant to protect. Like many major cities, Baltimore is divided by socioeconomic status and race, with a predominantly white and wealthy portion that's notably different from the impoverished and predominantly black areas. After years of allegations accusing police officers of stopping, searching, and arresting far more black residents than whites, the Department of Justice under the Obama administration launched an investigation in 2016 to get to the bottom of what was really going on. Now, through reviewing more than six years of internal documents and conducting hundreds of interviews, the DOJ was able to witness the disparity of policing firsthand. According to their report, the Baltimore PD engages in a pattern of conduct that violates the Constitution or federal law. That includes making unconstitutional stops, searches and arrests, specifically targeting the black community, using excessive force and retaliating against people who practice their first amendment rights. Cops recorded over 300,000 pedestrian stops from January 2010 to May of 2015. The DOJ found that these stops were predominantly concentrated in African American neighborhoods and often lacked reasonable suspicion, meaning they would be stopped simply because they were black. The Baltimore Police Department made roughly 44% of its stops in two small predominantly African American districts that contain only 11% of the city's population. African Americans also accounted for 95% of the 410 individuals Baltimore PD stopped 10 times or more. Seven African American men were stopped more than 30 times during this period. Now the excuse we hear over and over again is, the black community just happens to commit more crime. But the DOJ report found that the vast majority of these stops lacked reasonable suspicion. In fact, only 3.7% of pedestrian stops resulted in officers issuing a citation or even making an arrest. Many of the changes made, or charges I should say, made against members of the black community also did not merit prosecution. 
Here's some proof. From 2010 to 2015, supervisors at Baltimore Central Booking and local prosecutors rejected over 11,000 charges made by Baltimore police officers because they lacked probable cause or otherwise did not merit prosecution. The DOJ also found there was a huge disparity in the enforcement of drug laws. Now, while survey data shows that African Americans use drugs at rates similar to or slightly exceeding the population, other population groups, Baltimore police arrested African Americans for drug possession at five times the rate of others. In fact, Baltimore police found contraband twice as often when searching white individuals during vehicle stops. And blacks were still five times more likely to get arrested for drug possession. To make matters worse, there was a nine officer unit within the Baltimore Police Department called the Gun Trace Task Force. The officers were so problematic that they faced trial in federal court. Reports show that the unit would regularly set people up for baseless searches. They would carry toy guns to plant as fake evidence in case they killed an unarmed person and would even clock in overtime when they weren't working at all. According to Vox, the task force was suspected of stealing at least $300,000 in cash, three kilos of cocaine, 43 pounds of marijuana, 800 grams of heroin, and also jewelry that was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash. Two Baltimore police officers are on trial this week in federal court for some of the worst misconduct imaginable. They're part of a group of eight officers accused of robbery and extortion, faking evidence, and planting drugs, among other crimes. The officers were part of an elite group called the Gun Trace Task Force, set up by the mayor in 2007 to help fight rising crime and murder rates. The task force was supposed to check the flow of guns and get the worst guys off the street. And for a while, city leaders and reporters saw the task force as a huge success. But it was also completely corrupt, acting as what prosecutors have called a gang-style crime ring. Six of the officers have already pleaded guilty. Unfortunately, Baltimore wasn't the only major city that, federal, that the federal government had to investigate due to alleged patterns of police misconduct. In 2016, the Department of Justice conducted a report on two departments in Louisiana, Ville Platte and Evangeline Parish Sheriff's Office. The feds found that both departments have practiced unlawful arrests without warrants and probable cause. The departments also held innocent people in jail for 72 hours or more. They called these detentions investigative holds, where individuals are often forced to provide information of a crime they did not commit or even witness in some cases. As a result, members of the community were coerced into testimony or confessions that led to improper criminal convictions. In a case that perfectly illustrates how this practice played out, one woman was questioned as a witness in a murder case and was treated as a criminal herself. Bill Platt police interviewed DeVille at the scene. What he was wearing, what he was driving, what he was on. But the man was wearing a mask. I have no clue, because you couldn't see his face at all, period. She walked home and never expected what would happen next. Police picked her up from her house and took her to jail. For witnessing a crime, she was treated like a criminal. They booked us. They fingerprinted us. They dressed her in a prison jumpsuit and housed her with convicted criminals. It was horrible, actually. Just being in a cell that you know you didn't do nothing wrong. When they strip searched her, they made her remove her tampon and then denied her sanitary products. I was all in orange. 
and bloody. Remember, oftentimes the people detained in investigative holds have nothing to do with the actual crime that's being investigated in the first place. And the DOJ investigation agreed that method was unlawful. The federal report also mentions that officers jail people whom they merely have a hunch are involved in a criminal activity, allowing the cops to continue investigating in hopes of finding a basis for a lawful arrest. This practice is in violation of the Fourth Amendment, which is supposed to ban unreasonable searches and seizures. Not only are these detentions unconstitutional, they effectively destroy the community's trust toward police. Trust is also lacking in Chicago, where the DOJ launched an investigation following the release of dash cam footage revealing how an officer shot Laquan McDonald, a black teenager. In 2014, Officer Jason Van Dyke shot McDonald 16 times from approximately 10 feet away. Initially, police argued that Van Dyke acted in self-defense because McDonald had a knife and lunged at him. But all of that was disproven once we saw the dash cam footage. The knife McDonald was carrying was found to be closed, and it wasn't until a year later that Van Dyke was charged with first-degree murder. Between 2011 and 2016, the Department of Justice reviewed over 170 officer-involved shootings and found more than 425 incidents of excessive force using non-violent weapons. After reaching out to the community, the DOJ received 600 phone calls, emails, and letters that illustrated firsthand accounts of how police brutality affected lives of Chicago's residents. We found that this pattern of unconstitutional force is largely attributable to systemic deficiencies within the CPD and the city. We found that CPD does not adequately train its officers to use the appropriate amount of force. We found that Chicago's accountability systems are broken. Many complaints that should be investigated are not. And when investigations do occur, they are glacially slow and staffed by overworked and undertrained investigators who often fail to obtain basic witness statements and evidence. Officers are too rarely held accountable for misconduct, and when they are, discipline is unpredictable and ineffective. And we found that CPD is failing to provide officers with the support that they need to deal with the stress and trauma of their jobs. Other investigations also found that the Chicago Police Department fails to hold officers accountable for unnecessary force. The Chicago Tribune and ProPublica found that 85% of disciplinary cases handled through the CPD's grievance process since 2010 led to officers receiving shorter suspensions or having their punishments overturned entirely. Police misconduct in Chicago has also gotten incredibly expensive, and taxpayers are the ones who end up footing the bill when officers are taken to court. Since 2004, the city has forked over about $662 million for police misconduct in the form of multi-million dollar settlements, as well as legal fees and other penalties. <sighs> Executive summaries of the DOJ's findings are accessible and helpful in understanding cases of police misconduct. These reports are long and detailed and have provided evidence for the cases brought up in today's show. However, Attorney General Jeff Sessions wanted to make sure the Department of Justice reflected Trump's emphasis of officer safety rather than fair policing. As a result, Sessions has halted federal investigations into police departments. In the next segment of No Filter, we'll talk about how much the Trump administration differs from Obama's and how Jeff Sessions is putting an end to federal oversight of police misconduct. We'll be right back. 
everyone. Welcome back to No Filter. Before we went to the break, uh, we took a look at three major cities riddled with police misconduct. We know about the extent of the abuse because of investigations conducted by the Department of Justice under the Obama administration. Now, uh, that's not the case when it comes to the Trump administration. Current Attorney General Jeff Sessions is taking a completely different approach. The Atlantic reports that instead of the aggressive uh, patterns and practice investigations of police departments, the DOJ has emphasized local control and accountability in its collaborative initiatives. So, rather than providing much needed oversight, Sessions wants cops to police themselves because you know, that's worked out so well already, but it gets worse. Jeff Sessions didn't even read the reports highlighting police misconduct at all. But that didn't stop him from criticizing community backlash against the police. Sessions said, quote, I have not read those reports, frankly. We've had summaries of them, and some of it was pretty anecdotal and not so scientifically based. Okay. Um, can we just all agree that Jeff Sessions critiquing scientific methodology is hilarious? I guess we should all be used to this by now because it's not shocking to hear members of Trump's administration make uninformed declarative statements. Session goes on to say, rather than dictating to local police how to do their jobs or spending scarce federal resources to sue them in court, we should use our money, research and expertise to help them figure out what is happening to determine the best ways to fight crime. Sessions isn't even shy about hiding his disdain for anyone who tries to speak out against civil rights abuses that stem from racist and overzealous policing. But we need, so far as we can, in my view, help police departments get better, not diminish their effectiveness. And I'm afraid we've done some of that. So we're gonna try to pull back on this. And I don't think it's wrong or mean or insensitive to civil rights or human rights. Sessions clearly has no interest in police accountability, especially if cases highlighting brutality disproportionately hurt minority communities. The office of sheriff is a critical part of, of the Anglo-American heritage of law enforcement. We must never erode this historic office. I know this, you know this, we want to be partners, we don't want to be bosses, we want to strengthen you and help you be more effective in your work. The Anglo-American heritage of law enforcement, at least he's fessing up to the traditional values of Anglo-Americans such as himself. He and his ilk are so proud of brutalizing the powerless. But while they bask in the repulsive joy of targeting minorities, they're really pushing for a police state that negatively impacts every single one of us. Small government, my ass. In a memo to the DOJ staff, Sessions also said that it is not the responsibility of the federal government to manage non-federal law enforcement agencies. Keep in mind, this is the same guy who wants to enforce marijuana laws on a federal level, on a state level. So states that have legalized it, no, we don't care about your state's rights or your state laws. The federal government might get involved. And just to reverse progress for good measure, Sessions has ordered a review of all pending police reform projects and consent 
consent decrees, which mandate better behavior on the part of offending police departments. While it's difficult for Sessions to rewrite or water down the existing consent decrees, there is a lot he can do to weaken the effectiveness of the reforms the Obama administration put in place. Take for example, the Civil Rights Division of the DOJ. Vice News reports that there hasn't been a single new case or agreement in the special litigation section, which handles investigations of police departments and jails, among other matters. Sessions takes a serious and proven problem with policing in America and turns it on its head. While numerous federal investigations prove that departments are swimming in misconduct, members of Trump's administration are quick to shift the blame to those who are being victimized. One of the big things out there that's, I think, causing trouble and where you see the greatest increase in violence and murders in cities is uh, somehow, some way, we've undermined the respect for our police and made their job more difficult. Yeah, we're making it really difficult for police to shoot and kill unarmed individuals like 12 year old Amir Rice who's playing with a toy gun at a park. I mean, what are we gonna do? We're gonna tell cops to not shoot a 12 year old within two seconds of showing up at the scene? It is ironic that Trump's administration pushes for draconian police policies in the name of law and order, right? We're talking about a president who was found guilty of defrauding students with Trump University, which led to Trump himself paying out a $25 million settlement. An investigation into the Trump Charitable Foundation revealed that he used the charity for self-dealing and even took out more than a quarter million dollars to pay his own legal settlements. Guess what? That's illegal. And anyone else would pay serious consequences for doing that. Trump has also been accused of using his position of power to benefit his own private businesses, which is a violation of the, constitutional, the Constitution's emoluments clause. Trump and his administration don't care about crime as long as it's one of them doing it. The tough on crime rhetoric was nothing more than a dog whistle for his rabid and racist base. Remember, all they really care about is their Anglo-American values. And a big part of that is targeting and criminalizing the others. We'll be right back. Welcome back to No Filter, everyone. Before we go, I just wanted to take a few moments to point out that some people who, for the lack of a better term, screwed up last week. But rather than scold them, I wanna give them a few words of encouragement in a segment I call, Let's Do Better This Week. You guys are really smart, right? Uh, Pod Save America. Pod Save America, you guys are really smart, well-read, accomplished, funny, sometimes, and have your heart in the right place. But guys, let's do better this week. For those who don't listen to the podcast, they are a bunch of ex-Obama guys who banded together to start a media company, highlighting what they consider the most important races to watch in 2018. But when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez beat the incumbent Joe Crowley in New York's congressional primary last week, here's how they covered it. Some people have mentioned to me when I tweeted about this yesterday and some of our listeners said, you guys never talked about this race on the pod. Yeah. Did you miss something? And maybe. You know, some people, you know, the people who mentioned to me that we had not mentioned this race said, does that indicate some sort of pro-establishment bias on your part? Yeah. And, the, and the, my answer to that is, I don't know, maybe. Uh, do you have a blind spot? Do you have an establishment bias? Not maybe, yes, yes, you do. I get it, because if we're all Avengers in this epic battle for the fate of the universe, you guys are Thor. 
You've got pedigree. Thor was Odin's son. You guys are Obama's son. And when you wield your mighty hammer, it's very impressive. But you miss elections like this because just like Thor is from the sheltered world of Asgard, you're from the sheltered world of DC politics, and you can't help it. Podsafe's experience of how things work on the inside can be useful, but there's a lot you miss in that bubble of yours. At TYT, we don't miss that stuff. We interviewed Alexandria dozens of times. We work every day to identify the races that will make a difference and bring the party's priorities in line with what most people want. We can have the professional high level debates about the future of the Democratic Party, but we can also get mad and smash things. Because if TYT were an Avenger, we'd be the Hulk. And you need the Hulk, because just like the last Thor movie, it's Ragnarok out there. So pod save, let's do better this week. All right, guys, thank you so much for watching No Filter. I really hope you enjoyed it. And of course, you guys can catch me every Monday at 1.30 p.m. Pacific, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. If you're not a member of YouTube TV, don't worry about it because you can check us out on iTunes where we podcast the whole show every week. And please send me a tweet letting me know what you think about the show. You can find me at Anna Kasparian. And if you have a story idea that you'd like me to do a deeper dive into, I would love to consider Consider it. So don't hesitate to send me a tweet. Don't hesitate to follow me on social media. And more importantly, tell me what you think. Special thanks to all my producers, including Angel, Sloan, Brett, Dan, and Edwin for helping me make this show possible. I love you guys, and we'll see you next week with another episode of No Filter.